It is my prayer, desire, um, objective that today we would kind of be like the um, the Hebrew children. If you remember the Hebrew children, that whole story when they were getting ready to leave Egypt, God was uh, they were going through the plagues, and um, we read that, that that God was just pouring out His He was demonstrating Himself, He was manifesting Himself on the land of Egypt, and just really showing them that He was God, that there was one true God, and He was God. And, and we study that when we study that whole thing, we we um, are, are taught that uh, a lot of the plagues were uh, counteracts against the Egyptian gods. And so when God was actually coming after them with the plagues, it was literally just uh, demonstrating to them that their gods was nothing, that, that the living God was the Almighty God, and he was, he was the one that was God. And we read that in that time, the Hebrews uh, were, the land, the particular area in which they lived uh, in Egypt there, uh, was spared of the plagues. They didn't really experience any of them. The only one that they experienced was the Passover. And so all these plagues, they were just, God would just, uh, heavily manifest himself out, himself on the land of Egypt. And I can't imagine what the Hebrews were like as they sat back and kind of watched this and just see that, wow, this God, our God is almighty. Our God is incredible. Our God is, is huge. He's magnificent. He's powerful. And, and, um, and then it came time for the, uh, the last one where God would literally break the backs of Egypt. Uh, the leaders there, the Pharaoh and, and the rest of them. And he, um, if you remember, the last one was the, um, the plague of the firstborn, the Passover. <clears throat> and as the story goes, that <clears throat> God would come and if he didn't see, or the angel would come, and if he didn't see the blood of the lamb posted on the doorpost uh, of each home, he would literally take the firstborn um, of that particular family. And so um, uh, the Scripture reads that there was great wailing and, and just uh, just enormous amounts of grief grief and sorrow as the next morning as families experienced uh, the loss of uh, their, their loved ones. However, the, the um, Israelites or the Hebrews at that time, the Hebrew children were spared of that if they had the blood over their, over their doorpost. As they begin to, as they begin that exodus out of Egypt, so, so, so they demonstrated God's hugeness through these plagues and how God spared them and how God provided for them. And then it came time for them to actually leave the land of Egypt. And as they were leaving the land of Egypt, they plundered the Egyptians. Uh, they went with, with enormous amounts of gold and, um, just all kinds of, uh, you know, plunder that they took from the, from the Egyptians. And as they left, they come up, uh, and they get to the Red Sea. Remember the whole story in the Red Sea is, just just, just at its flood stages, in a sense, around that time. And, you know, you have the Egyptians coming up behind them, pressing them. And God shows up and He tells Moses to raise your staff. Moses raises his staff and the waters part. We're told that they walk through on dry ground, not muddy ground, not damp ground, but literally dry ground. As the Hebrews all walk through, an estimated of you know a couple million of them, all walk through this particular uh, place of the Red Sea where the the waters are parted. They get to the other side. The Egyptians begin to pre- begin to press in on them, and the waters restore to their to their flood stage or whatever, and literally killed uh, the Egyptians that were pursuing them. And so here you have the Hebrew children looking at all this, witnessing all this, and seeing God just show up, just magnificently show up, just demonstrating, manifesting His presence to them. And then Moses leads them through God's, um, through God's leading, but Moses leads them to Mount Sinai. And as we study that passage of Scripture, through study, we're told and instructed that 
This was the first worship service ever where God brought His children, His nation, the people that He was raising up to be His followers. He brought them to the mountain. And if you remember that whole story, God resided at the top of that mountain and there was smoke and thunder. And God brings them, God brings them into His presence for this magnificent time of worship. And what happens? The people were afraid. They were fearful. And they told Moses, you go talk to this God. It's like, wait a second. Didn't you see all this back here where, where, he, where he provided, where he demonstrated himself, where he manifested himself, where he showed up time and time again, where he saved you? You don't have to be afraid, but they were afraid. And maybe there's a sense of um, you know, authentic fear there, a fear of respect that says we serve a dynamic God. We serve a God that is alive, a God that, that, that needs to be worshipped, a God that, is, that we need to be reverent to. But then there's also that side where they kind of missed out on being in the present, truly being in the presence of God, and it, and, it, and it struck some fear into them. My prayer is this morning, guys, that as we spend time talking about the things that God has for us this morning, that it's not a, a, a time where we step back and we kind of have a sense of separation, but it's a sense where we feel the weight and the gravity and the presence of Jesus Christ and His Spirit that's here this morning. Where we, where we welcome that in. And we're not afraid, but we welcome that in to our lives. And we become humble. We become contrite. We become, we become very compliant to Jesus this morning. And we're here to worship Him as we've already been doing through song and through word. So my prayer is that in this service time that you and I as a community of believers, as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, as a family, that we come together and we, we worship, we truly worship God this morning. And we hear the words that He has for us, the loving words that He has for us. We're, uh, like I said, we're kind of wrapping up this series called Who Do You Think You Are? And, and a couple of weeks ago, Pat Finnegan spoke on um, the husband and wives theme uh, found in chapter 6. And we're going to kind of touch on that. But we're going to touch on something that, you know, uh, talk about being rewarded. And this week, CJ and I were sitting down. We're talking about this message. And I'll tell you what, it's one of these messages where you're like, I'm not feeling it. I don't know where we're going with this. And the more we sat down and talked about it, we started going in a direction where it's like, I don't want to feel this. I don't want to go there. Because it has to do with some words that... Um, I don't really like, and I'm sure you don't like either because you're a human as well, and there are words like submission, submit, obey, honor, serve. I mean, some of us, you know, it's like, that's okay when you're doing that to someone who deserves that, right? When someone who is loving and they love you back or they deserve, in your mind, they're like, well, I can serve this person because they deserve that. But when we're called to submit to authorities or we're called to submit to our husbands or we're called to love our wives like Jesus loved the church or we're called to honor and obey and all these other words, our human side just kind of cringes a little bit like, oh man, I don't like that. I don't like that because they don't deserve to be served. They don't deserve to be honored. My husband is not a man that, that deserves for me to submit to. My wife, if you met my wife, my wife is not a woman that deserves love at times. 
This person over here is not a person that deserves respect. These people over here, you want me to serve them? I don't know about that. And I would suspect that I'm not the only person sitting in here this morning where these words kind of rub the wrong way a little bit. These past couple of weeks, and we've shared this with you before, but and you probably experienced it before, if you ever teach on something and you start living it out the week before, and you start thinking, okay, what am I teaching on? You're like, okay, I need to be a little bit more strategic on what we're going to teach. You know, I want to teach on God uh, blessing someone with tons and thousands of dollars. You know what I mean? Maybe that'll come to fruition. You know, my life. But a lot of times you start you you experience that as you begin to teach on it. And so last week we talked about what the difference between old and new. They were created new. We have this new life and this old self wants to creep up and challenge that new times. You know, we have to, we have to, you know, like not allow that to take place and we have to, 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 to submit to Christ. Today we're talking about this whole sense of, 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 of submitting. But here's the issue. It talks about we're going to be rewarded. And what does that look like? We're going to be rewarded. Well, as we look at this and we submit to Christ in Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to draw us back up. If you would turn there with me in your Bibles to Ephesians, turn to uh, chapter 5 first. Grab the Bible out of the back of the pew. These are not on the screen, so you need to grab a Bible and just kind of follow along with me. But I want you to listen to these words that Paul is challenging us today with. And, and he's saying if, if we can submit to the authority of Jesus Christ, we will be rewarded. So when we take a look at this, when we have when we have relationships in our lives where we really don't want to serve someone, where we do, we we really don't want to submit to the authority of someone or something that doesn't deserve it, where where, where the Bible's instructing us to do that, unless it unless it implicitly goes against what the Word of God has to say, that we're instructed to as Christ followers to submit to that authority, you know. Unless we, when we, we begin to under, when we begin to look at that, the way that we need to look at it is this. We do it because we're submitting to the authority of Jesus Christ. Maybe my husband doesn't deserve that. Maybe my wife doesn't deserve that. Maybe my children don't deserve that. But, but I do it because I am submitting to Jesus, the authority of Jesus Christ. And when we begin to understand it through those lens, as hard as it can be at times, when we begin to look at it that way to say, I'm submitting to the authority of Jesus Christ, people are going to see Jesus in and through us that don't deserve to see Jesus, but Jesus can radically touch people. We become more so the hands and feet of Jesus as we do that. And in chapter 5, the very first verse says there, it says this, Therefore be imitators of God. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice. Drop down to verse... Um, drop down to verse um, 20. He says, Giving thanks... Always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's that next word? Submitting. What's the NIV say? You can shout it out. What's next? What's that word say? Submit. Submitting. Submit to one another. How? Out of reverence for Christ. And then he goes on and talks about wives, which Pat talked about a few weeks ago. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Verse 25, as what? As Christ loved the church. And, and, and so we read about this. He drops down in chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents. There's a word that we love, right? Obey. 
Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, where whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and that there is no partiality with them. And so what Paul's doing essentially is this. He's going all, he's really just kind of going over all the different types of relationships that we have. We have relationships of authority from our fathers and mothers. We have, a, and he didn't really get into this. Peter does. He gets into this whole sense of authority as, as, as far as the governments of the land, where he says, "Submit to them, and, and unless they press against your Christian morals, unless they violate the word of God, submit to the authority of the govern, governments of the land, which can be difficult at times, right? When we don't agree." Uh, especially since we just, you know, we, we, we read it in the news like constantly now how things are getting changed and how you look at it and you're like, I'm supposed to submit to this? This is crazy. This is crazy. And so Paul goes over this and he talks about, he talks about, you know, children. He talks about husbands and wives. He talks about servants. Now, in this particular context, we don't really relate to that. It's not something, something that's part of our culture today. Although, for many of us, we do feel like slaves to our jobs, right? But here's, here's the, here's the sense of it. It's saying, you know, whether you're an employer, whether you have some, you, you report to somebody or someone reports to you, there's this sense of serving. There's this sense of honoring. There's this sense of submitting. There's this sense of being humble. And all this in front, in, with everyone. With every single relationship we have. And we do this not so much because that person may or may not deserve it, but we do it because we are in Jesus Christ. We are called to serve and to honor and submit to the authority of Jesus Christ ultimately. And because of that, we honor, submit, we serve, we obey because Christ has asked us to. Because we are called to be imitators of God. By the way, Jesus served. We're told that Jesus came to serve and not to be served, right? He came. He submitted to authority. Ultimately, He submitted to the authority of God the Father. But we're always called in this concept to submit to authority. I don't know about you, but my, my human side doesn't like that. I don't want to submit to someone else. I want someone submitting to me, right? And I know you're the same way. We all have that human side where it's like, ah, ah, I don't like that. But that's what we've been called to do. And as we do that, we're doing it through our relationship in Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at, let's look at the second point here is, is this, this concept of humility in Christ because I'm going to share, I want to share with you why we don't do that. And if you want to turn to James chapter four, James pretty much, the half brother of Jesus, by the way, pretty much outlines why we don't do this or what happens when we don't do it. Uh, James chapter four, verse one says this. He's answering the question. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. 
You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And here's, here's, the, here's the issue, guys. When we have Jesus living inside of us, and we begin, and this is what Ephesians is all about. And if you can start connecting these dots, it's going to give you this huge leg up on becoming more spiritually mature in your walk with Jesus. When you begin to fully understand who you are in Jesus, that it's not what you do, your identity is not what you do, it's not all those other things, your identity is rested solely upon being in Jesus Christ. That's where it all starts. And you begin to understand that, and you begin to live through your God-created identity, which means the Holy Spirit comes into your life, He takes up residence, you let go of control, submit... You live in a state of humbleness. You live in a state of humility. You live in a state of contriteness with the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit begins to do a work inside of you. He begins to manifest Himself through you, fruits of Him. Joy, patience, love. And the list goes on. That's when you know that you're beginning to taste and see that you're living in your God-created identity. That you're submitting to the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. On the contrary, if you fall into this category over here with James, where it's about you and you kind of fall into those self-desires and things like that, what happens is you begin to sabotage everything around you. You begin to sabotage yourself. You begin to sabotage your relationship with Christ. You are just sabotaging all over the place because God did not create you to advance your own preferences and your own desires. That's what causes quarrels. That's what causes dissension. That's what causes fights. And you begin to sabotage relationships all across the board. The reason why we can't get along with others from time to time is because I want you to do what I want. Correct? Now, if you do what I want, everything will be great. Isn't that a novel idea? This is why we butt heads with our kids at times. I don't, don't think... Do as I say, right? And you know, by the way, when we, t- we look at Ephesians chapter 6, where it talks about us raising our children up in, in God, instructing children up in the will, that's hard stuff. Because that means you get to know your child. That begins, means you get to know the person. You get to, you begin to look into your child and you begin to see his, his or her God created identity and you begin to fan into flame how God has created them and you begin to just help them grow into the person that God has created, is, is creating them to be and you become that type of person who is championing your child. But the problem is when they go against that or they go, they're doing some other things, you want, I mean, it's easy for us to start self-sabotaging. And when we start self-sabotaging relationships and all this stuff across the board, everything goes awry. They don't see Jesus. Your co-workers don't see Jesus. Your family doesn't see Jesus. Other church members don't see Jesus. They see your brokenness. That's not okay. That's our old self. And we will not be rewarded for that. But when we take a look down through here, through James, and we get down to this last verse uh, here in um, 
Well, listen to what he says in verse 5. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that He jealously longs for the Spirit He has caused to dwell in us, but He gives us more grace? That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. And then listen to verse 10. We already read it. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And what's he going to do? He will lift you up. One translation says, He will honor you. There's your reward. Some of us, when we get it and we begin to understand this concept of contriteness and humbleness, and we say, you know what? That's who God has created me to be. That's my God-created identity. And we begin to look at all of our relationships that way. Some of us will be rewarded because as we do that, people on the other side see Jesus coming through us. They look at us and say, that's not normal. And they begin to see Jesus. They begin to experience love probably for the very first time someone is giving them love. For the very first time, someone might be giving this person dignity. For the very first time, someone might be looking into someone's life even though they don't deserve it, and they're acting in a way that they, you know, they're just, they're self-sabotaging themselves. But, but it might be the very first time someone looks at them and says, I love you. And you begin to give them worth and dignity and value. And it's Jesus doing it through you because you have submitted yourself to Jesus and you've submitted yourself to the authority of Jesus Christ. And that person, their life may be changed radically, eternally for Jesus Christ because you are submitting to Jesus. Does that make sense? And you're going to be rewarded. You're not only going to be rewarded eternally or in heaven, but I wonder how many of our relationships will become so much more healthy Because we're submitting to the authority of Jesus Christ. We live in a state of humbleness and contriteness where we say, this isn't about me. This is about Jesus through me. And so it's this humility in Christ. Paul talks about the humility of Christ in Philippians 2. Where he says, Jesus stepped down. Jesus, Jesus, the one who created all things. The one who created every every single one of us sitting in here. He created things in and through Him. His Word spoke things into existence. That Jesus choose, or chose because of the love that He had for the Father to step down from His rightful place and to become one of you and I. I think a concept we often miss because He subjected Himself to His creation who, by the way, spit on Him mocked him, and eventually killed him. Beat him. And killed him through a a horrendous way of death. Who would do that? Who on earth would do that? But you want to talk about humility. And Paul is saying, be imitators of that. And that's where my human side says, whoa. I don't want to do that. Because this person over here has got my number. But we're called to do this. And the only way that's going to happen is when we set ourselves to the side and we submit, we honor, we become humble, contrite. By the way, the psalmist asks a question. He says, who can approach the holy hill? Who can come into the presence of God? Who can come in and worship God? And the answer to that question is the one that is humble. The heart that is humble and the heart that is contrite. This morning we're going to spend a few moments 
here, um, I, I, I talked about being rewarded in Christ. I kind of jumped ahead of it. But here in a few moments, we're going to talk about, or we're going to spend some time in communion. But I want us to really prepare our hearts for communion. Some of us may be sitting here this morning. Communion is the ultimate act of servanthood. I mean, this whole, what we observe through communion is that, is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Someone laying their lives down for, for, someone laying their life down for someone who ultimately did not deserve it whatsoever, and yet Jesus said, that's what I'm willing to do. There's not a single person that deserved it. Not a single person. We may say, well, I'm, I'm not really that bad of a person. The problem is, you're using your level of metrics to measure that. Where God says, there's none. <laughs> there's none. And so Jesus, out of His love for the Father, said, I'll go. I'll lay down my life. I will lay down my life for them because of my love for you and them. I will do that. And so what an incredible act of servanthood. What an inc- I, I can't think of a, another definition of humility, um, obey, uh, contriteness, um, serving, you name it. Everything we talked about, those words, are to me, is the communion, the, the, the crucifixion, is, it just manifests itself in that. But before we do that, I want to ask you a question. Before we begin to kind of prepare our hearts here, I want to ask you a question. I want us to, uh, Megan, if you would, I want to go to that song that we sang, um, the first song we sang before uh, the message here. And if you would, I'd like for you to bring those lyrics up. I've often wondered, you know, if, and I think he does, but I think sometimes it goes unnoticed within our lives. When we sing songs, I have often wondered if we truly grab a hold of the lyrics. You know, it's so easy sometimes to kind of go through the motions as we worship and we don't really, you know, we kind of connect, we don't connect. Some of us say, I really don't like the song, I don't like the music, so I don't connect at all. Some of us may sing and we sing out, but, you know, I'm often curious if we truly connect with the lyrics that we're singing. And if so, do we truly mean them? Because in this song, I, you know, I, you know, as we sang it, I sat there and reflected on really all the songs today uh, and the one after this one. But it says, here I'll bow, I'm going to give it all to you. Lord, I want to be like you. You know, sometimes I think for me, I would do well not to sing. Because sometimes I'm being human. Uh, my old is kind of kicking in and there's a check there, you know. And sometimes when I think about it, I look back and I'm thinking, I probably shouldn't have sang that song. Because my, my heart's really not in it. But I wonder, like this morning, if, you know, if we truly resonated with those lyrics where we said, you know, and, and this week, I wonder what would happen, which I do think God does. I think if God would bring to mind, hey, you sang this Sunday, I'm just doing what you sang. I'm doing what you requested. You know, and a light goes off in us. Maybe we shouldn't sing, you know, you know. Maybe there's people that don't sing on Sunday have it together, right? Um, but it says this here all about, well, and it says, all I want, all I need, more of you, less of me. And then it says, take this life. Lord, it's yours. Have, your, have my heart. Have it all. And then if you keep scrolling through, Megan, for the next couple of verses there, or the chorus, if you go ahead and flip. Humble King, Holy One, Friend of Sinners, God's own Son. The next one says, God in flesh, among men, you walk my road, you understand. Keep going with me if you would, just keep flipping. Uh, Servant King, friend to me, you saved my soul, you washed my feet. And then it says, here all bow, give it all to you, Lord, I want to be like you. And then it says, all I want, all I need, more of you, less of time. Go to the, go to the uh, refrain there, just keep scrolling along to the one, just keep going, keep clicking, keep clicking. I'll tell you when to stop, just keep going. Keep going. 
Keep going. Right there. Jesus, Jesus, all I want is to be like you. Do we mean that when we sing it? You know, and I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip here. I'm just asking the question do we truly mean that when we sing that? You know, as we open up our hearts and we say, Jesus, all I want is to be like you. God, I want to be a servant. I want to be able to serve other people. Father, I want to be able to love other people. I want to be able to love my spouse. I want to be able to love my children. I want to be able to respect the people in, in, in positions of authority. Father, I want to be like you. I truly want to be like you. And if that's the case, there's going to have to be less of me and more of you. I pray that, that as we begin to take communion, that we would spend just a couple moments here. Ideally, what I want to do is, I want to ask the elders, the elders that are here this morning, if you would come up and just kind of sit in the front here as we did in the first service. Guys, go ahead and move. Come on up, the elders, if you would. Uh, but here's what I have in mind, guys. Ideally, this is, and, and this isn't, if you don't feel led to do this, please don't do that. But maybe you're sitting in here this morning, and as we begin to take communion, truthfully, if we would be, if you'd be very truthful to yourself, you would say, you know what? I'm not in the spirit to take communion right now. I'm struggling. I've got some stuff in my life that I'm struggling with. I've got some life, stuff in my life that, frankly, I'm not really to let go of. And I know that I'm not, and I know that I'm wrong. Instead of just taking communion, God loves you. I'm not saying He doesn't. But instead of going through the motions, could we take a minute and maybe just prepare our hearts for communion so that we can receive the full spirit of communion? And, and, and if you're in a spot like that and you would want to come and just pray for a few moments with, with a couple of these guys, just, you know, with one of them, come up and sit next to them. We did this in the first service and some people came up and took advantage of that. Ideally, what would be awesome is if, and I'm not telling you to do this, I'm just saying, ideally, what would be so cool is if this worship service turned into something like that where people just flooded and came up and said, you know what, I'm broken. I'm broken and I need, I, and I just want to pray for a minute. And our hearts are prepared. Our hearts are beginning to get tipped and turned to be able to receive the full expression of communion. Where we come into the presence of Jesus and we say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your this incredible act, this unconditional act of love that you've given me. And my heart receives it, the paralambano. My heart receives it. And I want to be able to demonstrate this to my wife. I want to be able to demonstrate this to my husband. I want to be able to demonstrate this to my kids. I want to be able to demonstrate this to my my co-workers, the people I go to school with, the people that's in my life that you've placed there. Maybe you're struggling in here this morning. We're all human. I get it, man. I'm telling you, I'm very realistic with you. I'm very open and honest with you where I'm at. (laughs) We're all human. And if this comes easy to you, please sit down and educate me. Because this is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life is try to follow Jesus. And try to get rid of Gail and become more like Jesus. But if you would want to spend just a few moments praying, we're going to have the music playing. And then I'm going to invite you forward and we're going to take communion together as a family. And I'll instruct us in on that process. But right now, if, if you would like to just spend a few moments praying, we would love to pray with you. I ask that everybody right now, just everybody bow your heads and your hearts. If you want to slip out of your seat right now and just come up and sit next to one of the elders and just kind of have a moment of prayer, I want to give you that opportunity to just kind of share your heart and just, just be prayed over and prayed for. So what, please go ahead and do that. Don't. If the Spirit is moving on you, don't waste time. Just, you need to move.
let's pray. So let's just spend these next few moments in prayer. And, you know, please just use this as an opportunity to be prayed for if you would. So I pray that if you're sitting here this morning and, and you're, in a, you're in some relationships or you're in some situations where you're not experiencing that at all, I just want to say I hope and truly pray that you feel the love of God being extended to you through other brothers and sisters here right now in this family because we do love you and we do honor you. And another thing I want to share with you before we take is that um, I just want to say how much I am very honored very pleased to be able to serve you guys as a pastor. Ultimately, this is God's church. We are all God's sheep. We're God's children. And God has given me the opportunity right now to, to serve you as, the, as, a, as underneath him, as a shepherd, and as a leader. And I just want to say thank you so much for that. I honor that. I know I can do a better job serving you, and I need to do a better job from time to time. Um, but I just want to say thank you so much for allowing me to serve you as a pastor. I love each and every one of you very dearly. And I know my humanness gets in the way at times, um, but um, but we're in this together. And so I just want to really express my heart to you. And I know CJ feels the same way as we kind of discussed a little bit of this uh, this week, you know, talking about the whole concept of serving and serving one another and being individuals that are serving under the authority of Jesus Christ. So if you would, please stand with me. And, and we're going to close our time here together through... Um, through communion and as we do I just want to I just I just um, want to direct our hearts towards again that ultimate sacrifice where as we take the body we remember that Jesus literally broke his life for us his flesh his flesh was given it was bruised it was beaten and uh, Jesus went to the cross for you you don't you don't deserve it no one deserves it but out of his love and and um 
sense of service. He's serving you. Just this morning, let's remember that. Let's take his, his body and remember that. With the Jews, let's remember that it, his blood was shed for us. That it cost him his life. But this is the life-giving blood. This is the blood that gives life, that enables you and I to live life to the fullest. And as we're going to talk about next week, live life victoriously. Let's take his blood and drink it, the juice and drink it. Jesus, thank you so much for this time we could spend together. Just talk about you and the words that you have for us, the message that you have for us, this incredible message of love. And I pray that you would help us to, we know that your spirit lives inside of us. We know that you give us the power to live it out. But I pray that you would just keep it before us at all times. And may we be obedient um, followers of you. May, may we be obedient children that just brings you great joy. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Guys, I just want to say this too. Thank you so much for coming and worshiping with us today. It's awesome having each and every one of you here. Please come back next week as we conclude this series, uh, Who Do You Think You Are? And just have a great week. Go demonstrate the life of Jesus to someone. Have a great week.